Hiya, and welcome back to the Beauty Podcast with Sally Hughes, the straight-talking, no-nonsense, zero-ball podcast written and presented by me, Sally Hughes, and brought to you by Avon. We'll be discussing a different topic each week, from hormones and motherhood to skincare, bridal and clean beauty, with a host of industry experts at the very top of their game. In every show, there'll be a Q&A with them and me, and we really want to hear from you. Ask us any beauty-related question or tell us which topics you'd like to cover. Tag me on social. I'm Sally Hughes everywhere. That's with an L and an I. And use the hashtag The Beauty Podcast with Sally. Today's topic is Afro and other textured hair. And there's nothing my immensely talented guests don't know about it. Charlotte Menser is widely regarded as Britain's leading Afro and textured hairdresser and spokesperson. She's won Afro Hairdresser of the Year on several occasions and is responsible for hair looks on Solange, Janelle Monet, Erica Badu, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. She has her own product line, which is brilliant, and is the first black woman to be inducted into the British Hairdressing Hall of Fame. Emma Dabbery is a social historian, academic, teacher, former model, TV presenter and author of Don't Touch My Hair, out now on Penguin, a groundbreaking book on the history of black hair, its place and significance in culture, and how our hair can shape our female identities. Hair is everything, as Fleabag said. Huge and interesting themes and so many questions, an unprecedented number of them, so let's get going. Emma, why is your book called Don't Touch My Hair? I think it means a lot to lots of people and will be quite baffling to others. Yeah, so Don't Touch My Hair refers to the phenomena where if you have Afro hair... And particularly if you've kind of grown up or spent a lot of time in a white or non-black environment, you will have probably experienced the unsolicited touching of your hair. So I grew up with my hair really being like an an objective kind of spectacle and something that people felt very entitled to just, yeah, freely kind of touch and discuss kind of over over, over my head. As though it was a separate entity to the rest of exactly, you. Exactly, as though it wasn't attached to a like sentient being. And I thought that was something that was quite unique to me having grown up in Ireland in the 1980s. But as I connected with more people and these conversations started gaining ground, I saw that this is actually a very, a very common experience and that lots of, yeah, lots of black it, people, men and common. women, yeah. yeah, experience regularly this, this touch, this touching of their hair. And I guess the phrase really entered into popular culture with Solange's, um, with Solange's oh, sing. Al- was it an album she had out? Yeah, it was a seat at the table. Oh, yeah, and yes. I think one of the big hits from it was Don't Touch My Hair. Charlotte, you have literally touched Solange's hair. <laughs> <laughs> you disobeyed. <laughs> You're part of the hair industry and the black hair industry is worth 88 million in this country. Mm. It's, it's several billion in America, of course, where it's, it's just huge. But even here, 88 million. And with women of colour spending between three and four times more, depending whose stats you believe, than white women on hair care, why is hair such a critical part of how black women take care of themselves and their lives generally, I guess? Yeah, I think um, with Afro and curly hair textures, it's, it's not that easy to farm it out to anyone to do for you. It's something that you know, it began in the home where it would be either your mum or older sister or an auntie would, you know, would start grooming your hair from a very young age. And 
it's spiritual. It's something that is um, it's more than just hair. It's, it's deep, you know, it's deep. And and it's, it, our hair as well, like especially living in this climate as well, it's not that easy to look after. It's very difficult because the texture is the most vulnerable, fragile texture in the whole of the hair textures in this part of the world. You've got like environment you've got central heating the water is so chemicalized it's, it's too hot but then you need it because the weather is cold so you turn to wash your hair with very hot water and breakage is like I mean you comb your hair and it's like half of it's on the floor mm-hmm. so also the education part there's not a lot of good places to get your hair done yeah <laughs> and that is half the problem because I because I wondered about that when I was kind of number crunching at mm-hmm. the industry figures and it says you know black women in particular spend uh, three to four times more mm. um, on hair care but part of me thought well that's because you have to buy posh more. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I mean? You have to spend more money yeah. for the right stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in in that white women can buy things quite cheaply yeah. anywhere, mm-hmm. wherever they go. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that completely makes sense. Mm. And I'd say that is part of it. But I feel that a lot of it does also come from like the the centrality of transformation in black hair, Mm. like how often you change your hairstyle. So I feel like even if the hairstyles that you're getting are not particularly expensive, it's the frequency with which you change them that that kind of incurs the cost. So my hair is really different from from week to week. Mm -hmm. And it's not that every one of those styling processes or extensions or whatever I use is really expensive. It's just that it's changing. It's just like changing all the time. It's just like going for a blow dry every week. Yeah. A few people can afford that Mm -hmm. yeah so I I think it's that that I think that's one of the real big differences between um, afro textured hair and and European and European hair is Mm. that culturally generally women white women women with straight hair tend to have the same hair style for quite a long time whereas with us it changes from week to week Mm. I mean the rest of Europe in particular white women never Changed their hair. Having yeah. uh, having worked in Germany, in front, I yeah. mean, typically you would have the same same, same hair stuff. Yes. British yeah. women, white British women, I tend th- to change their I hair more than any do. other European. Yeah, really? women. coming yeah. from the yeah. hair industry, like I mean, I've been in hair for over thirty three years, and I've worked with many many brands and many salons before I had my own. I think it's like, especially London, it's it's a culture to to have your own look. Mm-hmm. So people are constantly changing, and hairstyles like they're like a bit of a I wouldn't say like an accessory but almost like an accessory yeah, so like yeah. today I want to have this yeah. I want to put like braids a new pair in. of shoes yeah yeah so I think everyone is changing their hair but we're That's more... still the influence of black culture definitely, I would say though. definitely yeah. well yeah. and it's yeah. the same is true of nails yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely yeah. Yeah. absolutely but I think especially in London like I mean where we are in Portobello you see so much amazing you're like, oh my God, look at her, look at that cool look. There's always something, It's everyone's so cool. And I also feel it's because of the, like on a kind of practical level, it's yeah. also because of like the structure of the hair. So mm. actually I want to wear my hair out at the moment, but yeah. I just have it in Bantu knots yeah. because I'm going for like a twist out look. So yeah. like tomorrow I'll take, take these, them out. Take these yeah. out. So these, this is a hairstyle, yeah. but it's a hairstyle that's a means to another hairstyle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have Bantu knots in my hair. They're achieved in different ways. Some of mm. them are like two strand Twist. twists, twists mm-hmm. that yeah. are then twisted around themselves mm-hmm. and held. And then some of the other ones, she's done them where it's, it's just 
one it's one twist yeah. that's twisted around one. itself and held. And then there's quite an exciting kind of patterning going on. Yeah. Like there's geometric shapes yeah. between each of between each of the knots. Mm. I didn't actually realise that she'd done that. It depends on your head shape because not everybody Yeah. Like you got a really, really nice head shape. So you <laughs> can carry it. Yeah, it also dates back to um these women from Angola that had their hair like this in like the 15th century. So it's... Well, you talk yeah. about this loads in your book because you teach African studies in, uh, and you're an expert in African history. And you go quite deep in the book and that's really important. That's a really important part of the story in terms of uh, colonial times, pre-colonial slavery. All of this stuff feeds into how we talk about black hair. It was interesting when Charlotte was just saying, you know, it's the most vulnerable hair type... The kinds of words used to describe black hair, I think generally, if we can draw a line through them, they're all quite negative. Yeah. So they're (laughs) time-consuming, unruly, difficult, um, hard work, you Mm. know, all, all these sorts of words. You very rarely hear people say... It's a pleasure to have. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 yeah. how how did we end up with that sort of language, and is it still as prevalent now? Yeah, I think it is still really. Mm. It's really prevalent, and I'm shocked by the prevalence of it, given how much progress has been made. Yeah. Um, with normalize with celebrating and just with normalizing Afro hair, I would still often have my hair texture described as coarse. Yeah. Mm. And um, I think that's so fascinating in um, relation to what Charlotte was saying when you actually think about the reality of Afro hair and its delicacy yeah. and its fragility. Mm. But those words evoke a softness yeah. and a gentleness that doesn't tend to be ascribed to black people. Well, Charlotte just said vulnerable women. and I've never yeah. heard that word used <laughs> yeah. before in relation to black hair. Absolutely. So I think the language is mm. very revealing yes. about um, a lot of ideas about blackness mm. and about black people and how mm. they are manifest through the way our hair is described. A lot of black people also find it very difficult to accept what they have. Like <laughs> acceptance, it's so important. I mean, I teach this a lot. I do these curl classes. And the first thing I, th- I talk about is you have to accept what you have. Do you have two inches hair or do you have 10 inches hair? Do you have like curly or do you have coils? Do you have kinky? You need to just be happy. And I always advise having a really good haircut because I think a haircut makes such a difference you have to do you you have to look at I'm not saying not to change your hairstyles but there has to be one style that is you that you can rock and feel proud and be confident and and and, it completely defines how you feel about yourself doesn't it I think I think that's missing and that's what really I um Back in February, I went to teach in a boarding school and I had these little 10-year-old kids with wigs on. I was mortified. I was like, you're 10. You should be doing your maths and English. What is this hair thing? And she goes, I can't manage my hair. Loads of questions um, about kids, including lots of questions from white women with biracial children who feel they're letting their children down with their Mm. lack of knowledge, understanding and so Mm. on. So I'm hoping you're going to be able to, between you, answer quite a lot of these questions. Let's crack on and and, and mm-hmm. feel free to return to any of these issues as we yeah. go. Avon has championed breast cancer awareness for over 25 years and donated £20 million to charities. This Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Avon and Copper Feel are launching Breast Breaks. 
The campaign aims to encourage women and men to take the time to check their breasts and pecs regularly to spot the early signs of breast cancer. You can find out more by visiting avon.uk.com forward slash causes. Take a hashtag breast break. Abigail asks, I have Jamaican heritage and both myself and my daughter have fine flyaway curly hair. I've been following the curly girl method for both of us for about four months and it has made a massive difference to the look and feel of our curls. My issue is that hairdressers do not have any idea how to deal with curly hair like this, how to cut or treat it. Is there anything appropriate in the UK for curly styling? Oh, there's so much. You must hear this so much. I hear so much. Where do they live? Where do they live? Because, I mean, there's so many courses as well. We're doing courses all over. We have a big, massive um, curl power course in L'Oreal that we're teaching loads of European stylists from people came as far as Yorkshire to the class. So it depends on where she's doing her research, where does she live. In my salon, for instance, people fly in from Berlin, Geneva. So There's lots in your book, yeah. Emma, about growing up in a very white environment. Mm-hmm. And is there an argument for somebody who lives in a very white environment to travel somewhere where there is a larger black population? Because you're likely yeah. to get the, the expertise yeah. there, presumably. 100%. Mm-hmm. Like, my mum would um, occasionally, money permitting, bring me bring to, to London. Yeah, to Tottenham yeah. to get See? my hair done or to Moss Side in mm. Manchester. Yeah. And that's that's where I'd have my hair done. Mm. I don't know that they were the most reputable salons yeah, but in hindsight. For her, but that's what she could have afford of and, yeah, and she still of course. learn a lot on how to manage your hair this might be a useful one to do near mm. the top claire says being mixed race black and white is how she describes herself and having curly hair could charlotte and emma please define what afro really is for listeners <laughs> my reasons for this are firstly growing up with very black or mixed people in the community i was always referred to as having an afro i don't have an afro <laughs> My hair is very fine, there's lots of it, and it's curly. I don't take offence to this, mm. although my cousins who are black and have Afro hair do. <laughs> <laughs> so the basic question mm. there is, what are we even talking about? Uh, for me, I think when I say Afro, it's obviously like the God-given textures, the hair that you're born with, not chemical treated, not relaxed, not keratine, not plaits, not wigs, just your hair that comes out from the scalp. Obviously, there's so many textures, even within the one person. Like I have, like you would, I mean, I don't really like this um, classification, but they have it like 4B, 4C. I would be classed as 4C. Mm-hmm. But I texturize my hair. And at the moment, I'm going through t- transitioning. So this is this is an accepted hairdressing classification yes. of, uh, of the condition and look of your hair. It's the texture. It's the texture. So there are, there are definitely, like mm. I, I use mm. that graph in my book yeah. and there are definitely, it's definitely problematic and there's issues yes. with it. Yeah. Like, so let me, let me state that mm-hmm. at the top. Mm-hmm. But I also think that it is, for me, it's kind of useful yeah. to, understand what we're talking about because I do mm. think afro is just kind of thrown around I agree. like, like any one hair that's curly is, yeah. and I'm just like to me that's not afro textured yeah. hair I think with mm. hair more than any other thing as well it's always useful to have visual reference and yes. words and because it's all about communication hairdressing mm-hmm. isn't it it's yes, all about it getting your hairdresser to understand what, what it, it is, is you want yeah. and so sometimes labels can be useful if yeah. you're that kind of clinical about I mean, it I felt like most of the um, classification was made specifically for buying products yeah. So it was for it's a market. Mazani, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And um, I think someone in America had started it. To me, when I'm talking about Afro hair, yeah. I'm actually talking about 
like coiled, mm, kinky hair yeah. that grows up. Mm-hmm. I'm actually not talking about curls yeah. that grow down, down yeah. but they are also often referred to as afro. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't know that that is the official, I don't know that there is a, mm. a, a definitive um, kind of consensus, yeah. but I'm talking about the hair that people of African, African descent, mm. and not all people of African descent don't even have, have that afro hair. Yeah, hair. It's true. Many have curly, curly hair. textures, yeah. So I think I'm, I actually welcome that question. Yeah. Lisa wants to know, is there, and this came up a lot, is there a gentle way to relax hair? Not to totally straighten it, but mm. to make it more manageable. Texturising yeah. I have a daughter with huge amounts of hair. She's mm. had it texturised before, but it was beginning to break off. So yeah. is there a way to do I that? Think, yeah, I think Lisa needs to go to a professional salon research, go to a salon that knows what they're doing. Like in my salon, we texturise hair. It has to be done within a certain amount of time. We put a timer on. The hair's base. You're just softening the hair. You're just loosening the frizz. You're not actually making it dead straight. And even we we still have a few clients that have relaxers. Relaxers have definitely declined. When I first opened the salon, we used to do, oh, my God, loads, 10, 15 a day. Now you'll hardly get two a month. Wow. Yeah, so it's declined a lot. So... If you are if you are willing to have a texturizer relaxer done to your hair, seek out a professional salon, travel if you have to to the best places and 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 make sure that it's just done professionally. But also I think there there's a lot of other options now mm-hmm. as well. I think particularly I know a lot of um, mixed people who relaxed their hair mm. or texturized their hair mm. to achieve a certain look. Mm. And they didn't even need, need to, to do that. that. Yeah. It was just that there was this default assumption that you just use mm, chemicals on your you hair. Do. So if there was just more awareness, which there is now. Yeah, like uh, the keratins. Yeah, yeah, or just even ways that you can that you can twist yeah. your hair that actually when you take the, the when you take the twists out, yeah. you have um it, it changes the texture. Curl. Yeah. But you see the thing is a lot of people don't want to go through that. They don't want to spend that 20 minutes before bedtime. Yeah. Or yeah. Everything is like patience and effort. And they, they just want it now. I wake up in the morning, it's there. I've got 10 minutes to get to work and my hair's done. So when I get sick of doing the mm-hmm. twists and stuff, which I do very do quickly, protective. then I just do a protective, protective style. style. Then I just yeah. do box braids and or you know, I just like, do... Again, like, you're very confident. You can wear loads of styles. A lot of people are not. Some, yeah, <laughs> they just have the one look, and they're like, and you know, I think that's mm. a really important thing that you bring up, um, mm. confidence. Like sometimes, I, even I have to kind of like gear myself up mm. to wear a certain style. Catriona wants to know, or Katrina, if she's Irish, um, what do you recommend for protection when swimming in the salty Atlantic on summer holidays? My hair multiplies by five. I have dry and thick hair, usually washed only once a week. Mm. Is the 12-week blow-dry an option? So you mentioned keratin yes. there. Is yeah. that potentially a good solution there? Keratin is good. I mean, people say, like, you know argue that it's not natural some people say it's natural I actually think that over a period of time your hair becomes straighter and straighter so it has something in it it's not 100% natural it can help but I wouldn't do it too much because I find over a period of time the clients I have keratin over and over again the hair becomes so much thinner Mm. it's not as full I would say if I'm you know going on holiday and I'm going to be swimming you could do maybe some cornrows or even do some sort of, um, we do this kind of conditioning wash where we mix conditioner and water in a spray bottle 
and just really just saturate the hair with it. Lots of oil. Go and swim. It's a protector. So at least even if the salt water gets So you're gets forming there, a barrier. Yeah. So form a barrier that would act against the seawater and the salt. Nans wants to know, I have braided Afro hair. My scalp can get quite dry and flaky. Are there any products or tips that you can recommend to avoid this? We've discussed this before, Charlotte. Yeah. I know you've got tips on this. Yeah, on. We, we love to do like salt scrubs and like yeah. exfoliating the scar- scalp and also just... Um, Like take a few minutes each day and massage your scalp with some oils because it's tight. So it can get really dry. The atmosphere is dry. I mean, every other day I would just drop a few drops of oil on my scalp and Mm -hmm. just massage it in. It's actually a nice therapy as well as it's nourishing for my scalp. But also before she takes the braids out, she can do like the same conditioning treatment I was talking about, spray it on leave it to soften, remove the braids and just really like just massage the scalp and do like an exfoliator on their scalp. People are just generally very busy mm-hmm. and like rushing. We're all sweating and it's it's drying up somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, you're washing your skin, but you're not washing your scalp for weeks and you've got these extensions in. Well, I want to ask and, you about that because we've got loads of questions about yeah. washing. Mm-hmm. Ursula wants to know, how often do you recommend washing, not just co-washing? So let's just briefly explain what co-washing is for people who don't know. Yeah. So for me, I mean, I really love to just wash hair. I don't believe in this co-washing, but co-washing... I don't know where it came from, believe America (laughs) somewhere. And I think, you know, people like it because they feel like they're not using shampoo, they're not stripping the oils out. So they're washing hair hair just with with conditioner. conditioner. Yeah, Yeah, which is really, I don't understand that. I mean, you know, (laughs) I just feel like that's so crazy because, I mean, clients that come in, they will be like so happy. The best part of actually coming to the salon is someone else to do it for you. It's the wash. And that therapy of just getting that scrub and that feeling and you you feel light. Mm -hmm. You feel like, you know, because so much, I mean, the flint, the environment, the smoke. Look at London, so smoky and dirty. And you're collecting that in your hand. You're telling me you're just adding conditioner every week. So what would you consider to be a healthy amount to wash your hair? I I guess it depends on your texture. It depends on your texture. And I also feel like once a week, seven to ten days, a really lovely wash. It's so good for your mind, for your emotions, for your spiritual. Ursula, for your sorry, Ursula has very helpfully said that she's a four C. If that should yeah, term, so that she's like me. I have four C, Ursula, and I believe, even though I've got these extensions in my hair at the moment, I've got big jumbo twist in my hair. I only keep my twist in because I do these myself every every ten days. Up there, out. So every and seven to ten days, a really nice, deep, lovely, clean with proper shampoo. With proper shampoo, nice nourishing shampoo that just leaves your hair feeling clean and just condition it and just pa- yeah. Patricia wants to know. I'm having regular monthly treatments, but my hair isn't growing. What else can I do to grow my hair? I saw an influencer on Instagram. Immediately, I'm like, (laughs) I saw an influencer on Instagram who has long natural hair. She says the key to her growth is leaving the cornrows under her wig in for six months at a time. Oh, that's terrible. Would you recommend this method? No way. Would you recommend this method? It looked matty to 
me, but her yeah. hair is very long. Okay, um, no, Charlotte I... and Emma have just pulled faces <laughs> and exhaled <laughs> quite loudly. Because we've had clients come in and they've done that and we've had to literally cut their hair off because mm-hmm. we yeah. couldn't comb Start it through. Start again. Start again, and that's a no-no. So the hair's going to be matting. Yeah, and I, I feel like growth is not just about what you're putting on topically. It's about what you eat, how you think, so... Mentally, emotionally, you have to look at yourself. Scalp look, health. From your, from your, the inside. From the inside. I mean, you need to like take supplements, B12, B6. They're brilliant for growth and to promote hair health. It's not just topical. You need to look after yourself from also, the inside. Also, I feel like a wig over your hair for six it's months terrible. is uncomfortable and hot, right? Yeah. 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 And you actually shed hair because it's always on the hairline, which is so fragile. And this thing is constantly on. It's also like very individual Mm. and has a lot to do with the background of the person. Mm. When I was researching my book, something that I came across that I found fascinating was with Madam C.J. Walker, how um, her daughter had adopted a adopted a daughter yeah. um, who they used as a hair model who was very central to their to their success, to yeah, the success of their hair. brand. But even though she was she was dark skinned, she had very mixed ancestry. Yes. She had uh, Native American ancestry right. and she had white ancestry, even though it wasn't apparent in her complexion, mm, yeah. it was very apparent in her hair. Yes. So what? It was a kind of Nana Cherry hair, like a gorgeous kind of corkscrewy curly it was hair. Even it was even more Native American wow. looking than that. Okay. It, was, it was straighter. And they would kind of wheel her out and use pictures of her and be, and be like, look, this dark skinned person has achieved this, yeah, this hair yeah. with our product. But that and was kind of naturally the hair she had anyway yeah. because of her mixed ancestry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have so to heritage. Look at, yeah. Heritage plays a big part. Very interesting. There are so many questions. I can't even read them all out because they're all mm. roughly on the same theme. Very there are so many women. All these white women who've written to us who have biracial kids and they really want to help them with their hair Mm. and they simply don't have the expertise, the education. Where do they start? They want to engage with it, but they don't know where to begin. I think, I mean, it's so much easier today than it was when I was, you know, I grew up in the 80s. There wasn't no internet. There wasn't no Instagram. Mm -hmm. There was, there's so much now. I think it's a lot more easier than like 20, 30 years ago. You can also get the products because even if you yeah. live in an area that yes. doesn't sell them, you can the buy internet. them yeah. online. And also yeah. like the platforms that like we're very fortunate to be on some major platforms where you can purchase our products from. I think they just have to research because most people that come to us, you'd be like, how did you find us? Because you're coming from like Geneva. You're coming from you know, Vienna, and we're like, it's a long way. You have to catch a plane to get to us. And they'll be like, we just researched. I totally take on board that, like, everybody's mm. not going to become, like, a really proficient braider mm. or anything like that. But I think just kind of arming yourself with the knowledge of the basics, basics of Afro yeah. hair. So just knowing that um, knowing that products are, yeah. are necessary mm-hmm. and that the hair has to be kind of, like, moisturised yeah, and right. oiled, that, like, you can that you need to kind of like divide the hair yeah. and like twist, just an understanding isn't twist it twist it into yeah. kind of twist it into just put it into twists yeah. when it's drying little yeah. just little things like that yeah. so it's not that you have to become a really proficient black hairstyler but you should know that the basics of I think just washing combing mm. and, and and moisturizing your child's mm. hair also 
also another thing I often think with white parents is, or white mothers, not always, but mm. ones that like that that this is all very new to them. Yeah, the the hair, but also the skin. Also, get your children yeah. to to moisturize, to moisturize their, their skin, skin. Yeah. Um, because I had such problems mm. with them. I would scratch my legs till they were bleeding mm, when I was a child. My legs were so never... dry. Yeah. I just needed someone to tell me to put some cocoa butter on. Yeah. On. yeah. But that, that awareness, I guess there's, you, but amongst also, all people, there's yeah. more knowledge of moisturizing yeah, skin now. But. I think it's definitely getting a lot better, a lot better, but definitely education and, and even, you know, like even if there's one person in these salons, just out of the whole team, one person can do that hair type. That's incredible. That's so good. You've talked a lot in the past, Charlotte, about the important role a salon can play in mm -hmm. the sort of emotional experience yes. of how we look and how we present yes. ourselves. The sort of role that a salon plays in that kind of emotional well-being. Mm. It's more than a haircut, right? It's definitely more than a haircut. I mean, you know, we have people that come in and they've got like a hood on. They don't even want anyone to see them. And, you know, we'll sit them down can you imagine this person has probably been bullied or traumatised all their life about how they look and then they've walked into this place where there's other people. So it's quite, it's almost like you feel ashamed. You know, you want to feel comfortable. So how do you make them feel comfortable? How do you make them start to fall in love with their hair again? You have to kind of create an atmosphere. So even down to the music we play, down to how we speak to you, how my staff is trained, everything is so carefully done. So you come in there and you walk out like, hey, I am the best. I am happy. I am. And that's what we want because it's so sad how people feel. And for me, confidence is beauty. You know, so once you've got that confidence in them, they can wear any style and they will walk out there. And they'll be like, you know what, I think I can do this. But there's also something really lovely and something that I that I that I wrote about, about when you're used to people um kind of shying away from your hair and people that if they're doing your hair, they're kind of touching it like very ginger. Mm. Like they're handling plutonium. Mm. Exactly. Mm. So when you actually then encounter, you know, like like confident hands that yeah. like recognize like your hair texture as familiar like it's 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 a huge relief it it's is. very it's very soothing yeah. and it's very reassuring the same is true of makeup yeah. you do you see Absolutely. some makeup artists who Absolutely. look as though they're sort of handling delicate bone china yeah. or it's like no you get your hands, <laughs> hands in, in that there. Yeah. yeah another question that i've been asked multiple times <laughs> in the run up to this show and this is indicative of lots of others lauren wants to know I am mixed race, black and white, and choose to relax my hair about three times a year. My sister is natural. I want to discuss the politics of hair-shaming women who still chemically straighten. I feel that it is perceived as hating yourself or mm. your race. For me, it is about time management. No one really has a right to shame anyone because at the end of the day, it's your choice. It's about maintenance, whether you're wearing braids whether you're wearing your hair natural whether you're wearing it in wigs or weaves is how you maintain and look after the hair so the shaming thing is it's a no-no and it shouldn't be happening but I have heard you know on lots of different platforms people that have been bullied and 
Yeah, because what she's saying, I think, reasonably, mm -hmm. is she's saying I can style my curly hair in mm. no time. time yeah. As a busy professional in my 30s, I'm building mm. a career, I'm trying to have a life, I don't mm. have much free time, and I value that. Yeah. I'm not ashamed of my blackness all my life. Mm. Am I less than? Do I have to have some no. obligation for my race? That I've seen that come up yeah. a lot. Yeah, I think um, the assumptions that people make about other people based on how they wear their hair are mm. often like entirely spurious. So I relaxed my hair for like 15 years. Mm. I remember when I had really straight hair and I was an undergraduate um, and I was studying African studies, mm. people would be so surprised that I was really, that I was studying, studying African, African studies, studies and, and that I was actually really hair. politically conscious yeah. that I had straightened hair. People mm. just couldn't couldn't like put those two things together but people are complicated and different things can mm. be kind of true at the same time yeah. I would say for me personally um when I I went through different periods sometimes when I was straightening my hair and I was at certain places in my life it was more assimilation I just wanted to have European looking hair mm -hmm. there were other times when I straightened my hair that it actually looked very like heavily like processed and I wanted it to look like that and I think I was they were I was wearing more black hairstyle so even though yeah. the hair was relaxed it was still aesthetically styled in very black ways mm. so I had different things going on in different at different points in my life so I think there's like lots of different motivations yeah. it's hard because I frequently have issues with the problem, the narrative, the environment. But the moment anybody ever starts telling women what they should do with how they look, I'm out. Mm. Like, yeah, like yeah. I don't want it. I don't care if it's race-driven, yeah. feminist-driven, yeah, an intersection much. of the two. Whatever yeah. it is, just stop telling women what yeah. to do with but how they look. I feel like it's not even necessarily like people tell you what you should do, but they're still judging you. Yeah. Yes. So they might yeah. not even like, tell you. They might yeah. not tell they're you telling you in subtle ways. But they're making assumptions about you. And again, it's this the reverse of the assumption that just because somebody has natural hair that they're incredibly kind of politically conscious or quote-unquote no, woke and that is not the case as honestly, well. Honestly, it's all well, performative wokeness is a yeah. whole other show, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, it's actually driven me slightly mad that this is one episode because this feels like a whole series in itself oh. and I'm so gutted to have to leave it there. Mm. Um, huge thanks to Charlotte and Emma. Where can we find you on social media? Tell everyone. So I'm on Instagram, Charlotte Mentzer, and on Twitter, Hair Lounge 1999. CharlotteMentzer.com, where you can get the products too. Yes, and on Portobello Road, you can find us. Come in for consultations. We'll look after you. It really is a beautiful you. salon. I've Thank sent you. several friends there and they come away with the best hair I've ever seen them with. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm on Instagram as Emma Dabbery and Twitter as Emma Dabbery as well. So. I feel like you need to say with eyes there. As somebody who spends my life going with an eye, with an eye, I feel like you should say Dabbery has all the eyes in it. <laughs> Um, and thank you for all your questions. And there were so many. I'm sorry if we didn't get to you. Please ask me anything beauty related, including your episode requests or seemingly impossible beauty gripes by tagging me on social media and using the hashtag The Beauty Podcast with Sally. And I will find you. Until then, you've been listening to me, Sally Hughes, and this podcast was brought to you by Avon. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> 